We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it begins. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We are services hello Trent. hello park ready to have a discussion about the movies i'm ready to fucking rumble yeah 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 yeah. you, you know you can't say or you can't play like the sound uh this the sound bite of let's get ready to rumble um because it's like trademarked very heavily and the guy is like ready like he's famous for coming after people so let's not do that let's not insert that but we can say it also, on the Super Bowl weekend, I learned this working at the radio station briefly freshman year, but for the Super Bowl, you can't call it the Super Bowl or be like, there's a football game. You can only refer to it as the big game, and you can't name the teams involved because there's like legal implications. That sounds super stupid. Yeah, but we can say whatever we want on our podcast about movies, but we can't talk about TV at all. That's true. Or the radio. But you know what we can talk about and what I would like to ask you about? What you've what you've been eating recently? Trent, you're you're a psychic. After a hundred episodes, I have developed psychic powers of what Is this our hundred and tenth episode? <clears throat> that sounds about right. I'm something uh, like that, yeah. I, I I'm not counting until we get like near like one fifty or two hundred. Those we can celebrate, but all all episodes are, are look look and sound the same right now. Trent, what have you been? What have you been eating? Um, friend of the show who you just saw in the frame, but has since left, and now I'm in my closet. <clears throat> um, so because friends of the show were watching Halloween three season of the witch, I think it's called. Yes. Um, in a common space, and they were playing it loud, and they were making comments. Um, and I was taking place, but then Parth and I had a date, and so here we are. And so, for the first time, I've moved into my closet rather than my desk um, to accommodate the sound, even though I think they might have just finished the movie. But uh, they got pizza from Daniel's Pizza because Tata's was closed because uh, they were watching a spooky movie, and Jackson and Sarah got a full penne vodka pizza, and Jordan, in front of the show, got us slices. So I just had a chicken with vodka sauce slice, put in the toaster, ate it up, put some uh, spices on it, ate it with a glass of water. What about you? That sounds pretty magical. Uh, I got back from class around 5, and 5.30, I was cooking some chicken fried rice. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, made some rice, put it in the fridge earlier in the in the morn. Mm. Um, I'd, I'd gotten back from TCNJ at like 9.30 or something like that, took a little shower, a little one. Made, made some rice, put it in the fridge, took a little nap, went to class, came back, cut some onions, cut some chicken, cooked some onion, cooked some chicken, yeah, cooked yeah. some frozen vegetables. Um, well, I guess they were cooked, but I, I guess I just reheated. Well, I, I sauteed yeah. them. Um, and then uh, made some fried rice, and we had that. When you say fried rice, oh, like I know uh, making rice in a rice cooker, or I know like boiling it in a pot. But what's frying rice? Well, fri- like? fried rice is when you make it and then you put it back in. So, like fried rice is what you take rice, you keep it in the fridge so that it kind of clumps all together, 
Mm. Uh, it gives it a different texture. And then you put it back on the stovetop and you fry it? Yeah, I mean, it's not like frying as in like deep frying, but mm. like it's that's fried rice. Well, that's good to know. But what I'd really like to do is transition into uh, this exciting interview. The movie of the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. The who did we interview someone about a certain movie? I don't know, Trent. Right now we're in the intro section, but if we if we move on over and we play the intro music, I might just have some more information for you. Let's dare I say cut cue 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 the intro. Yeah, I, I think we sh- we should uh, cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, we are talking with who? We had Ruth DeYoung, the production designer of this movie and other movies such as Manchester by the Sea, Us, and Yellowstone, and our film for today, obviously, Jordan Peele's Nope. So he's she's worked on two out of three of the Jordan Peele movies. That's pretty cool and exciting. It is. Um, I thought this was a great interview. It's an hour long. This is going to be a long episode. I mean, I think it was a great interview, too. I had fun. We asked questions. She answered. We learned a lot about ourselves, about our bodies, about filmmaking. Um, I say with all that being said, should we just cut into it? Yeah, like, why not? Let's just, let's speed this along. Cue the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Ruth DeYoung. She's the production designer behind such projects as Manchester by the Sea, Us, Yellowstone, and our film for today, Jordan Peele's Nope. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's great to be here with both of you. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, So just to start off, how did you first get involved with the film industry? Oh, wow. Good question. So I had just finished... uh, graduated from college. I got my fine arts degree at TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. And I was, my goal was to go on and get my master's in painting. And I was pursuing um, several schools. And I ended up uh, deciding on a Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. And um, I guess, let me back up a little bit. I went to high school in Charlottesville, Virginia, um, met Jack Fisk, He's an incredible production designer. He and his wife, Sissy Spacek, live here. And his daughter and I grew up and were very dear friends. And Jack had also gone to Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts and had take, done the fine art route. was very familiar with me and my work. And it was one summer eve between graduating college, going off to grad school, and he was getting ready to go do a film, There Will Be Blood, with Paul Thomas Anderson, and he said, you'd make a great art director. You should come art direct for me. And I'm thinking, what does an art director do? We sat around till two in the morning talking about art direction and filmmaking and fine arts and, you know, a lot of just the practices we were doing, sculpture, light, photography, space, conceptualizations, and how 
building a set and creating worlds was essentially one big sculpture. And um, that stuck with me. And he kind of asked me again throughout the summer. And uh, I just said, why not? So I deferred. Uh, you could defer for up to two years and, and still hold your place. Um, I deferred and was like, okay, I'll go down and do this movie with you. And the rest is obviously never did go to grad school. So uh, There Will Be Blood was the first film you worked on? Wow. It was. Yes. Yeah, and then, Not bad. And, and then you <laughs> continued to work with PTA on, I think, two more of his movies? The Master and Inherent Vice. Correct. And yeah. did your your mm-hmm. role change throughout those three movies? Yes. I was assistant art director on The Master, and I was art director on Inherent Vice. Um, so I continued to grow with Jack and I stuck with Jack. I was with Jack for about 10 years, art directing with him. And then I, I eventually started designing Manchester by the sea. I guess I had done a couple little ones. Dead man's burden was a Western set in 1800s. I feel like the Swedish auto was another really tiny indie. So I did a couple, um, out on my own in between the films I was doing with Jack and then Jack got the call to go do The Revenant and I at the time that I was doing Manchester by the Sea and I just felt that it was a natural time to pursue designing and he was very supportive it was bittersweet because um, I loved so much working with Jack and we had such a great relationship partnership collaboration and I love the directors um, we were able to work with and the worlds we got to build and so it, it was it was hard, but it was also just very a, a natural progression in my career. And, and um, Jack and I are still very dear friends. In fact, we all had dinner last night together. And so it's just it's wonderful because now we can all swap advice on crew and projects. And, you know, it's it's so much fun to just have that deep friendship and and um, and, and history as well as kind of support each other as we each go on in our in our in our ways and films so obviously another person that you've now had a long-standing creative collaboration with is Jordan Peele and uh, I was wondering if you could tell us how the two of you crossed paths and how that sort of blossomed from there of course um I was on Yellowstone at the time and my agent had gotten a call from Ian Cooper, Jordan, Monkey Paw, um, and they were on the hunt for a production designer, and and my name interested them. I remember Jordan saying something along the lines of when we were getting ready to do Us, he's like, I want the realness and the rawness of Manchester by the sea, but I want the weirdness of Twin Peaks. So he's like, put those two together and let's go make Us. Um, which I really appreciated. Just um, it helped me understand how he wanted to ground us and, and ground those characters. And um, so, long story short, he I, I met with his cre- creative producer Ian Cooper, who is absolutely fabulous. He himself came from fine arts. He was sculpture was his background, and he was actually a professor at NYU, um, heading up the sculpture department. And then Jordan had asked Ian; they had grown up together since kindergarten on in New York City, best of friends. And actually when their other partner at Monkey Paw, the three of them had all grown up together. This was a very beautiful story, deep friendship, old friends. And here they are, you know, all out in Hollywood now. 
doing great work. And Ian, he really tasked Ian to find excellent collaborators. And it, it, it's, I mean, obviously, um, nope, we'll get to that, but it was a perfect example of just putting an awesome team together. And, and so they found me and I, I remember going to monkey paw for the first time and I forget, I want to say Jordan was out of town. I didn't even meet with Jordan. I met with Ian for about a good hour and we just talked about movies and filmmaking and art and our process and design and, um, and really hit it off. And she's like, I'd love for you to meet Jordan. Oh, I know what it was. So I was, I was, I had, I was in Montana making Nelson. So Jordan was back in town and I flew in for a, a moment, literally a lunch, met Jordan, had the best conversation. Um, and they were like, we'd love for you to do us. And I was afraid I wouldn't be able to do it because Yellowstone, their shooting schedule extended Long story short, it worked out. I was thrilled, had the best experience. And I think Jordan, Ian, and I just deeply connected. And um, they were very happy with the sets and the work and the crew. And it was a very seamless, easy partnership that was. Um, uh, and and then Nope. Um, so that's how initially how I met. And Nope. It was sort of like we just stayed in touch and we're talking about different films and different projects. And um, Nope at the time was named, the original title was Little Green Men. And uh, so we started talking about Little Green Men the summer of 2020 at length. Just no script, just um, lengthy conversations and spitballing and ideas and sort of I was doing a lot of mood boards and just, you know, trying to fill Jordan with material to continue to write and, and build what he was doing. So it was it, it's so beautiful when you are able to have that sort of relationship where it's not formal. It was it, you could just create and develop this thing together. And um, so that's how we met. <laughs> Speaking of uh, other people you collaborated with on Nope, um, Hoyt Van Hoytma, um, did you have any conversations with him about the production design? Hoyta, Hoyta is um, oh, he's the best. I, I literally we tried to get Hoyta on us, and Hoyta's at a place in his career. I mean, his work is absolutely incredible. And but he, he's committed to shooting on film only, and we just didn't have the budget on us. Or at the time, Jordan wasn't in a position to really, I think, rock that boat um, on demanding we shoot on film. It, it, it's always a tricky one. But um, we call uh, Jordan called Hoyta again on um, for Nope, and. For a minute there, we thought he wouldn't be available because of, I think it was a Chris Nolan film, but that ended up changing. Um, the, the shooting schedule changed there, and he was immediately in, immediately, we're shooting this on 65, we're shooting on IMAX, here's the world. But it, 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 it was, um, the wonderful thing about Hoyta is he, I presented everything to him, but he is, um, I think Jordan and Poynton and I each had just a natural, very deep trust in one another. 
and there wasn't um we each did our thing if that makes sense and and hoita i remember when i was designing the house that we built from the ground up and i said hoita here's your chance do you want to change any of the window positions you know in terms of light or this or that and i remember very specifically he was like ruth build it exactly how you want to build it that's how it should be that is what and i i appreciate that hoita and i both like things real natural authentic like almost hard and awkward in a way to shoot because it's it's then not contrived and, and, and too perfect, if that makes sense. So so I really did my thing and Hoyta would react to my thing and vice versa. And there was never, I, there's a scene in the porta potty um, early in the film after the horse debacle on the commercial, right? And I, we had lengthy conversations. Okay, I, I'll just build you a porta potty. I'll take, or I'll, you know, build one with no ceiling or I'll build one with flyaway walls. And he's just, at the end of the day, he's just like, no, I want to shoot a real porta potty. I'm going to take a 65 millimeter camera, shove it in the door. And that's what we're doing. And it was like, he's just great. It was just, you know, nothing's ever, I mean, I like the house, for instance, I had painted it. We'd have chosen colors, approved it, got up there and Jordan and he walked out. And I remember Hoyta was like, Ruth, it could be whiter. And I was like, you guys want it whiter? Which, you know, after working with a Chivo and, and other DPs, it's like, do not go whiter, you go creamer. <laughs> so I, um, we painted it overnight whiter, but Hoyta knew, and this is what I didn't know, just how IMAX, the film would take white and how white translates to IMAX into a day for night and things he was doing and I just said great I'll go wider and um that was uh so it I guess it, you know that th that was how we collaborated it was it was very open very honest very real and I loved that so much because nobody was walking on eggshells it was all just we just put it out there and um I think we made the best product that way is Jordan Peele similar in that way or is he like more involved kind of in how the sets are constructed because I could see him being either way really because he's so detail oriented but you know yeah I would say I really brought the worlds to him like when I I he had tons of research from me that he would go through so visually he could see the direction I was heading he could see where my my mind was wrapping around things and aesthetically what I was leaning into and we had a lot of like just our the vernacular you know we were there was a lot of films Hoyta and Jordan and I were referencing one of the major ones was Heaven's Gate another one uh, Once Upon a Time in the West um, and so I think to your point he no he didn't get in the weeds with what I was doing he more I would bring him full fully fleshed out designs and then he would react to those. And um, I think the town, I just, I knew that world so well from my experience on Westerns, there'll be blood, just so many, you know, all the research I've, I've done on the West and I really, and then really what I draw out of Jordan is giving me more information on the backstory. Who's Juke? What do you want this town to be based on? You know, really digging and prying for 
character information to help me design. And in terms of the, of the specificity, I would, I, I named all the buildings, but then I said, you marinate on these names and come back to me if you want to change any of them. And, and he would, and that's the details he would get into, you know, um, naming Juke Jangle and, and kind of just little subtle nuances, but really, uh, no, he let me, I, I did my thing and, and then he only built upon that. And, but I think I just listen very closely. I pay very close attention and I think it makes it easier on him because he doesn't have to guide me. It's like, here, how about this? And he's like, this is better than I could have ever imagined. And, you know, that's your, that's my hope every time with a director to sort of blow them away and make them just bringing their words to life is the most exciting thing. And I think a lot of times directors write and they have a vision in their mind, but until they see it, they can't, they're not ready to talk about it. And so I was, I, I built white models. Um, so the whole town and the house and the ranch was, we did quarter scale models. I actually built a whole dollhouse, a half inch model of um, the, the main house so he could work on blocking um, he and Hoyta and the actors. So it was, I would just try to give him everything I could so I could welcome his opinions and his thoughts. And and he definitely does. He's very specific about blocking and, and sort of in the house, just how we opened up the living room, the dining room, widened the stairs. Just made it, you know. Yeah, I think I answered your question. I'm rambling. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, I, I read in another interview with you that you said that Jordan Peele uses a lot of storyboards. And I was wondering... Like, based on what you're saying, I would assume that you build the sets and then he storyboards the blocking based off those? Or is it kind of... Yeah, uh... it's both. He, I think he has vision. He knows exactly. So on us, we storyboarded... Us was storyboarded to a T. On no, we did... There, we did... There was storyboarding that he... Jordan, I think, as he's writing, he sees the whole scene in his mind and he wants to get that on paper. Then what he would do is... If a set wasn't designed yet, he would then say, I would go back to the storyboarder with the design set going, no, 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 the door's over here, not over here. So there was a lot of redraw on that. But I think on note, I feel, and, and this was a lot with Hoyta too, we, we, we did storyboard, but we also, there was much more organicness, finding it in the moment, finding it in the day. So I think... But Jordan's style and preference definitely is storyboards. I think it's more for him to make sure he's getting exactly what he wants. And I would say Hoyta and I are a bit more free in a way because these, especially in Nope, these worlds I created were 360. He could shoot them. There was no, no, you can't look over there. You can't go. It's like, no, right. you can look anywhere, any direction, any time of day. Um, and have at it. So it opened a lot up to, and, and they definitely found more shots and we sort of, but a lot of the sequences with, you know, um, the horse and the jean jacket and stuff like that, that was all storyboarded out, just the beats he wanted. And, and um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was, I would say it was more free than, than how we shot us. Us was storyboarded to a T and we crossed out our storyboards every day like as we were shooting. So, so we have some uh, 
questions about like specific sets from Nope, uh, if that's all right. Sure. And uh, the f- uh, the first one is Jupiter's Claim. Uh, it was built like to scale, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything, yes. Jupiter's Claim was built to scale, although we we messed with the scale a little bit. And I am trying to remember off the top of my head what, like, for instance, the doors. Jordan wanted it to be specific for kids. So I want to say all of our buildings, for instance, tapped out at like 17 to 22 feet high, whereas a normal building, I think, would have tapped out between 25 to 30. So we we sort of just shrunk it a bit, but I, I can't even remember the percentage we landed on. Um, but it, 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 it brought it down. Like when you're standing, when you're walking up the boardwalks, it just brought it down to where the adults felt pretty big and the kids, it was sort of a, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it was by no means miniature, but it was, um, we did, but the stadium was all to scale that we built and the house was entirely to scale normal seven doors and, you know, but the town, we definitely messed with it in, in, in a way um, just to, we wanted it to be very approachable to kids, basically. I was going to ask about the house because it's it's such a character within the movie and just like what was building that like and like like where in the world are you when you were filming that? Like where was it shot? Oh, we so both ranches, Jupiter's Claim and the house were on side by side ranches in out in Santa Clarita, Agua Dulce, and that was on purpose. So early on, we started scouting the ranches right away because we knew we needed a horse ranch that the Wranglers lived on and was their residence. And we knew Jordan was adamant about building Jupiter's Claim from the ground up. There was a lot of push for us to find a western town. Um, just from the studio. And I think fiscally, it's like, why don't you guys just find there's a million, you know, backlot sets and this and that and find one, paint it, whatever you want, turn it. And Jordan's like, no, it's not Jupiter's claim. <laughs> Which I was thrilled because I think Jordan and I knew what Jupiter's claim was and, and we knew it was this themed frontier town in the world of Jupe with psychedelic colors and just really off base and, and Jordan had very specific blocking and the layout of the town and the well and the stadium. And we had scouted, um, I'd reached out to my animal, the art animal wrangler, Bobby Lovgren, who lives up in that area. Most all Hollywood animal wranglers live up there. You can get a lot more land. It's big horse country. It's an hour from LA. That's just where they've all settled. And we wanted to, stay authentic to that and we went up there and bobby's like ruth you should go check out firestone ranch i'm like oh as a million things shot there he's like a few things have but they've shot really in the in the in the landscape and use it for the land i think like fast and furious did some car chase thing down in the basin but you would never know because the, the, the property wasn't featured and so we um we went, we came, uh, Jordan, Ian, and I came to Firestone, the three of us, with our location manager, Justin Duncan, and we're like, oh, shit, this is, this is it, this is, and, but it was the first place we saw, so we're like, this, you know, we've got to, like, see 20 more before we can say this is it, but we loved how it, there was the bowl, it was surrounded by the hills, 
the sky immediately became prominent. And um, ironically, it was originally owned by William Mulholland. And he, I think it was, he built, there's this weird funky castle house on the property built in 1897 that he built. William Mulholland is responsible for bringing water to Los Angeles, Chinatown, that whole. So he and his next door neighbor was Howard Hughes, um, who had a landing so and I'm thinking, wow, back then at the turn of the century, these guys lived all the way out here. I mean, it it, it was very fascinating. Um, and that so that next door property was connected to Firestone Ranch. We took this fire road and it was a giant dirt parking lot, but the, the property was full of these hundred plus year old olive trees, and they're like, Oh yeah, Howard Hughes planted all those his estate used to be here it burned down in a fire firestone had seen several fires too i'm going this is so strange you know this these like just this hollywood story and this hollywood story you know it, it was i found it just very trippy and wild that these two ranches we were recreating these worlds on were this you know had been set up by these by these two guys and um so anyways, that's, we were, once we located and decided, yes, 100%, this needs to be the, the Haywood, Hollywood Horses property, we tasked our location manager to lock in the adjoining property, which was a giant, massive dirt parking lot. There was nothing except olive trees, but I just had a clear vision of how the town should be laid out, how, when you look up that valley, and to what is Firestone? I don't. Did that make sense to you guys in watching the film, or did you think they were two entirely different places, and we just sort of cut them? That together? they were literally right next to each other, or that within. Yeah, I mean, I probably thought that it was too good to be true that that they, that they right, were actually right. right next to each other, but within the narrative world, I it took a second, but I was like, oh, they're neighbors. But when, just the first time he sees the lights in the distance, and it's like the lights from the stadium. I thought that that was something alien related, but then they shut off and then the aliens come. Right. But when, so when, when, um, sorry, when Jew pulls up, you know, when she steals yeah, the yeah. horse and they're just right. that, like, so, <laughs> but when Jew pulls up, that's the fire road we initially took, which yes. And, and so all those shots where we look down, oh, and then when at the end, when M jumps on her electric bike and, so that was, we practically shot that, you know, mm. all the way down. And yeah, but I, but I could see how it could easily look like, but yeah, but they just have cut and then here. But I think for us, it was the meta of, of, I just think for the actors, for Jordan and I, for Hoyta, there was something that inspired our process by making it, regardless of the audience ever knows, it was important to us, if that makes sense, just the essence of, of of the storyline um because it, it was always told to us even you know the producers were like oh go you know find that ranch and find that ranch but, I, but then i was like you guys it makes so much sense because we can be building this town the way we laid it out shooting wise is we started at firestone ranch and we shot all of firestone ranch out i don't remember how many days um we were there for a month two months whatever it was and then i'm building 
I'm building Jupiter's claim the entire time. So Hoyt and Jordan could peel over at lunch. They could come over after. So it was constantly like, here's the progress. Here's how it don't, you know, it was, and the company move, it made it so clean because you're basing at Firestone for X amount of time. And then you're just wheeling the trucks down the road and setting up base camp at Jupe's claim. And then we did have to do a few pickups and it was like, oh, okay, we'll just run back to the ranch and get this, get that. So it was a really smart way to do it and make it and maximize our days and our time. Yeah, because you have a home base where like literally like 60% of the movie takes place. Exactly. And you aren't spending all this time like with transpose resetting up base camps and running all over the place and two hours in this way. You've got crew. It's like I and so many times I would be over there while we're building dupes and they're like, Ruth, Jordan needs you on set. It's like, great. Be there in five. Yeah. You know? It was so that's awesome. Great to be able to be so a part of the shooting world and things that were coming up and needing addressed. And and nobody's. Uh, I just thought it was so smart and efficient, and we were all just thrilled. We we're like, this is beautiful. It was a pain in the ass to drive out there every day. <laughs> it was, but it wasn't because we knew it was so valuable to the picture and to the story. It was just, you know, it's a big commute from from LA proper out there. It was a good, good hour. So it's two hours a day. You're just, you know, at very early in the morning and very late at night, but it was worth every minute of those drives. <laughs> yeah. Trent and I have done some short film shoots in some treacherous locations. And it's not until you're on a film shoot. Do you realize how treacherous company moves are? And yes. Saw, well, they yeah. just gobble so much time and they, and they're costly and it, it's it takes away from you and from Jordan being in it with his actors. So I did everything I could in my power to to minimize that and just think smartly location wise and set up. And Jordan was fully on board. Quite. Um, I mean, it was just a no brainer. It was great. It's great. I wish we could make every movie like that. Uh, outside of the Jupiter's claim, the uh, the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gordy's home set. I was wondering if there was any particular like '90s television show you were taking inspiration from, or if you were just going for like a broad strokes of. Can you guess? Uh, Do you have one to your tongue? If you were, um, I wasn't <laughs> alive, but uh, the, <laughs> like it gives me like kind of a full housey vibe. But I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Yes. yes. It, it was definitely full house is what I leaned into more, not in the aesthetic of the house, um, but the layout, just sort of that open with yeah, the stairs. Yes. That was, and, and full house is just such an iconic 90s TV show. Jordan, Ian, and I are all 90s babies. Um, we were all born in, in the early 80s. So, I mean, just we, that was our childhood. So we had a lot of opinions about these shows, but we were looking at tons of shows. But then I leaned into the story of Gordy, you know, the mom's this astronaut in Florida, Cape Canaveral. So that was the stuff that just, you know, we, we went, we went ham on the, um, the Floridification of the interior in terms of the aesthetics of the, you know, early nineties pottery barn, you know, covered sofas and just, it was so much fun. And, it was so ugly. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was it was a blast, and Jordan loved it. And um, and at the last minute, we originally hadn't designed the kitchen. Um, at the last minute, Jordan was like, 
you know what? Just it was a window there. He's like, oh no, it was a door. And he goes, will you just add? I'll never go in the kitchen. I just want to see mm-hmm. through. You know, when the dad runs in there and gets scored. So that was fun. We just threw that together really quickly when it, it was already built on stage. And then he's like, "We just had a kitchen." And we're like, "Yep, happy to." So it it yeah, that was so much fun to. I've never done TV. The 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 multi camera, you know, um, thirty sitcom half setup. hour sitcom setup. So I had to do a lot of research. Just the cameras they used, how they shot it. Like there's just all these specificities to that. One of um, my wonderful art directors in a lot of TV, so she could speak into that. And we got a set designer who had done. So you know, there there's just such a um, specificity to the, the the way they do those. I mean, it, they've got it down to science. So that was fun, just getting into that. And then you know, yeah, it was. That was a lot of fun. In between Gordy's home and the scene where they're shooting the commercial with the horse and the green screen, there's a lot of, like, you guys filming film crews, and it's such a fun inversion of, like, all the lingo, and it's like, are we making fun of ourselves? You know? Yeah. Yes, 100%. And I think Jordan, I mean, ultimately, you know, this is a film about spectacle and about the film industry and about exploitation and about so many things that we could go met on. But he, I, Jordan, I think had so much fun, especially for the commercial scene, writing those quips, you know, with. Yeah. It was every, every archetype on set, the flirty grip. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) That was hilarious. We were cracking up. That was so funny. So, yeah, and that was just simple. We did that at Universal on a soundstage. Um, it was like doing, and, and Hoyta and I do a lot of commercials um, in between features. Um, so we we were just, you know, just padding Jordan with so much content in terms of like, oh, well, where's the agency going to sit? And where are the black leather sofas? And where's the crafty? And where's the da, da, da. So it was fun to just really... Um, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask, there's a lot of destruction to sets that happens in the movie. <laughs> and like, what is it like having to design a set that, you know, you're going to have to like tear apart kind of or repeatedly destroy? <laughs> it was, I mean, the good news, I, I remember always being like, okay, I think the only thing that worried me the most was realizing we needed to go back and reshoot something, which we didn't have to. We made sure we, you know, watched dailies and made sure we were good. But but then you're just like, all right. I mean, I helped rip up Jupiter's claim. And uh, that was not, I mean, not literally, but out there with carpenters and grease. And no, rip this thing, take this bench out, you know, just destruction. And it's, look, it's, it's, it's equally as, a part of the story and and to the level and the degree that Jordan wanted to push it. You just want to make sure it's right and it's appropriate. I, I, it didn't, it didn't bother me, I guess at all. I'll never forget what we physically covered that house in a blood substance. Um, it was actually, it was funny. It was the weekend of my 40th birthday, but we had to shoot the house 
And that that was one where I was like, are you guys sure? Because once this house goes to this, going back is going to be really tricky. We did, I did do a wash away substance, which worked pretty well, but it I, I remember Jordan was like, Can you make it richer? And I said, I can, but it's gonna be more permanent. Like this stuff I can hose off. And he and Hoyta were adamant, like, we don't need to go back. We are in the blood house till the end. So that, so we spent the whole weekend set dressing was like dumping like the carts and drilling things into the roof. And, you know, the, the icy cart was up on top and um, it was really fun and wild and crazy. And we, yeah, we just went, went to town and um, it, and then it was funny watching people roll up to set on Monday. They're just like, Oh my gosh, this is, it was it was, it, it was just such a, you know, it was fun, but it's yeah. okay if you can't disclose this, but were there any sets you designed that didn't end up finding themselves in the movie? No, because I would say the only thing was the town was much, Jupiter's plane was much larger. Um, our initial designs were, were, we went big and, and we had to get real with budget. And that was a painful process because Jordan and I were so attached in Poita to all of the buildings. But we sort of kind of had to go, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's got to go, that's in the town sort of. But that's a good thing because I don't know that that was the, that scale and size might have felt, I think exactly. It was good to have to go deep and go let's really think about this. Let's really think about this walk and talk. Let's think about and and, and get to where we need to be, to be able to do it all. And we, I mean, it, it was incredible to world build that much on, uh, on a film and, and be afforded the time and the budget. And uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the norm. So during the walk and talk, you definitely established like that whole like main street sort of feeling. But I, with you saying that there was originally more, I guess within as the viewer, I figured that there was more and you just weren't seeing it. And so I think that's exactly how we redesigned the whole thing so that that there would be offshoots. Yeah, because you see like the main stadium, but then you're like, this is just like the, the main hub of Disney World. And then there's branches, you know? Yep. That was our goal. Oh, I'm so glad that worked because basically I said, we, I changed the entire, um, you, you wanted to feel like once you entered like Disneyland, you don't even know how to get out because it's like all these arms and offshoots. But we also wanted it to be believable that Juke could have afforded to build yeah, cause, this. Cause it can't be, it can and actually think, be Disneyland cause that would be insane. Yeah, exactly. So we, we needed to bring it down. In that reason, story-wise, too, because you're like, everyone's going to be like, well, this is such a fallacy. Like, how did he get all this money? And did he have crazy investors? And so we, you know, we tried to we tried to check ourselves very closely so that our characters made sense in their environments and in their worlds. And But, um, yeah, to that point, I tried to just give the whole thing the correct depth and space and expanse and... Um, Jordan Hoyta were thrilled. I mean, they had so much fun shooting that. It was so sweet. I mean, do you guys, now that Universal has moved that entire set to the back lot at Universal Studios, and it is Whoa. now part of that. You can, you, both of you can go see it if you're ever in LA or 
um, you can do the tram ride through Jupiter's planet. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Well, wow. Go, if you go online and go to jupitersplane.com right now, and you can see, um, you can get tickets. It's cool. So when you, you should definitely go. It's, it's very cool to see up close and in person. And that is, I don't think, I know in the history of Universal, they have never, ever opened a set the weekend or opened an attraction the weekend, the same weekend the movies opened. Wow. And they did Making that. So, yeah, that was huge for Jordan and I. We were just very flattered and honored. And wow. Because all you know? the movies you see on the Backlot tour that both Parth and I have both been on, it'll be like, the, it'll be like Psycho or just they're all so old. And so to think. They're so old. Yeah. And so to think like. An we really wanted movie. the house. We really wanted the house next to the Psycho house. Yeah. But, and they just knocked it. They just knocked yeah. down Grinch World. So. N- nothing yes. is sacred. Do they really? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's upsetting. Yeah, but they. So I know. But then you yeah. round the corner and it's the world of worlds, and you're like, the shit. It's awesome. So we're it goes war of the worlds, and then you you go once you go through war of the worlds, you go up the hill, and then you go through Jupiter's claim, and then you go into Fast and Furious. The grand finale. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it all it all ends up being about family at, in the end, you know. All about um, family. So you guys have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get you VIP passes. Oh, whoa. Uh, okay, um, Trent. Unless you have another nope related question, I had one last one, just about nope. Go, Parth, yeah. go for it. You have horses uh, that you have to contend with on set, and I just made a documentary about a horse farmer, and horses are not easy. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're big and like heavy and like they do their own thing. So like, is that difficult on set? And how many times if it was like, was it ever like, Jesus, we have horses on set? Um, great question. No, it wasn't difficult. I, I, I've had a lot of experience with horses. Almost. I feel like the majority of my movies have had horses from there'll be blood to water for elephants Yellowstone was hundreds of horses. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm I'm very familiar with them and comfortable with them and understand them. But these are all very well trained mm-hmm. horses, right? So they are not. They almost behave better than the actors. <laughs> um, I'm joking, kind of. Um, no, but Daniel but Kaluuya, yeah. he seems crazy. In, in a way that, you know, they have call times and they're there on time because they're, tra- you know, I'm teasing entirely. But, no, they, they're, the horses, not at all. It's so easy because they're just so on point. They have their markers. They, they So, Jordan, these guys train with them. And I try to get the sets ready. Like, I built the huge arena in front of the house, the training arena. I got that ready early for Bobby um, so he and his team could train in the, I wanted them all to be familiar with all their spaces. So the horses, and these are horses that are used to film crews. It doesn't frighten them. They're not kicking. They're not going crazy. They're not, you know, if you went to just a random horse farm in Virginia and Kentucky and anywhere, Texas, California, yeah, the horses would freak out. But these horses are just um, conditioned, I guess you would say. So um, 
it was, it, they were wonderful and they were very on point. And obviously you had stunt writers doing a lot of the hard, um, difficult bits and, um, they were good around dust and helicopters and crew. And so that was all that the horse aspect of it was seamless and they were, you know, the horses themselves have doubles in case something happens. So, you know, to one of them. So it's, it's all that, that works out great. Um, obviously Gordy was, was a CGI. I think that was all of our animals. Praying mantis. There was like little oddball things was, you know, but yeah. So, so we were going to ask what, like your, what was the set you were most proud of, but I feel like we've talked about a lot of them. And so I, I just have one more <laughs> specific one and it's like Jupe's secret room, man cave, the, the, the room. room and also his, his yeah. office also just has so much going on in the background. Um, but, but the Gordy room in particular, did that take inspiration from anything? That was really made up because it was such a weird, creepy thing you know his obsession and and the weirdest and that I think Jordan and I that took a little bit longer to put our nose on what it should be um but I think Jordan early on clearly envisioned this museum-esque space this white and it ended up being just this white kind of stark gallery styled place and um in the beginning we were sort of like well what kind of room should it be are there sofas and chairs in it is it you know that line like well this dutch couple spent the night for 50k and that who know you know we were just sort of like but ultimately it was it was a memorabilia space that juke was trying to capitalize on from super fans you know through COVID, it was his kind of bread and butter and the other cool we, you know, cut out a door in Jupe's office at Jupiter's Plane. Jupe's office at Jupiter's Plane was practically built inside the building. So that was all seamless. And then you go through the door and we cut to stage and we sh- we built the Gordy room on stage. Um, so, and that we shot kind of towards the end of production. But um, I think it was really fun putting all the memorabilia together. Um and just, you know, in, in such a very specific way, um, the, the, the curation of it. So, um, yeah. Uh, Trent, do you mind if I move on to non-note-related questions? Just a minute, sweetie. Can you say hello? I'm just in a, this is Sadie, my three-year-old. Hello. Hi, Sadie. Will you go get a tissue from Grammy? I'm almost done, okay? Thank you. <laughs> No, Sorry. we'll get out of your hair soon enough. No, 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 don't worry. Please get it. Another Hoyta collaboration um, yes. is upcoming. Um, and I'm a big Nolan fan. Trent likes Nolan. Um, like, you're working on Oppenheimer. What's That's what's huge. that? What was, I mean, I know you probably can't say much, but like, correct. what was, what was, uh, that's finished shooting, right? We, yes, correct. We, we wrapped um, Chris's editing. And um, that was an incredible experience. And I think um, that came about, obviously, through my relationship with Hoyta on No and Chris looking for a designer. So 
it was very seamless and I wrapped Nope on a Tuesday and was with Chris on Wednesday. Um, That's awesome. So it was just right into it. But no, working with Chris was an incredible experience, such a different film too. And it was, I, I actually enjoyed going from something so imaginative and sort of, um, you know, this was really from the mind of, of, of Jordan. Um, hang on one sec. Let me just, hey, Sades. Nice. I'm just going to finish up, okay? <laughs> okay. You're going to sit here and be quiet? Okay. Um, no, sweetie. Um, this was to go to doing, you know, a, a story on a, on a real person and, and real life events and, and crossing multiple periods um, from, you know, we started twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties. So that was, you know, you're just flexing <laughs> very different levels. I need you to go do me a favor. Will you go find Graham for me, please? Hi. And hang on. I'm so sorry, you guys. Please. Two seconds. <laughs> totally fine. Well, sorry about that. It's totally okay. Nope, nope. Um, we, we've had multiple guests be interrupted by their cat or their dog. And, <laughs> or, or children. children. Um, so, no, it, it, I, I enjoyed kind of totally switching gears. And it was like, it was, a, it was you know, it, um, we also, I had very huge builds as well, but also a lot of locations. Um, so it was a nice, and just having that shorthand with Hoyta was great at that point obviously it was my first time working with Chris um but I loved every minute of it and I think he is um just I love the way he operates and 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 runs a production and he's he's so heavily involved similar to Jordan but he it it was uh Awesome. I, it, it's okay if I'm wrong, but I'm. There was some filming of Oppenheimer in Princeton, New Jersey. Did you visit? Did you visit yeah. our home state? So, are you? Did you guys? Yeah, we were there. Well, I found out from like online while on Twitter that like there were set photos that were getting released by people on their iPhones of yeah of Chris Nolan in Princeton while you guys were shooting, and Matt Damon was there, and uh-huh. I was in Ewing, which is like 20 minutes away from Princeton. And they I was like, do so I, close. do I go there? But then, um, I had other things to contend with, unfortunately, but, um, that was us. I really, oh, I really almost was We were was breathing there. down your necks and you didn't even know it. Yeah, that was us. So yeah, I think you'll love seeing all that footage. And again, that was a place that was very specific to Oppenheimer. Have you, do you guys know much about Robert Oppenheimer? Just not or, on a personal level. Or, like okay, he has become death, destroy of worlds. I, I know what he did, but nothing about him. I actually, my roommate is very big into history, and so when it was announced that Oppenheimer was the newest Nolan film, she gave me like, like he was sleeping around with his colleagues' wives, is what I know, <laughs> um, and that's kind of it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, uh, Princeton was, was a big, he, he spent a lot of time in Princeton. It was my point. So he was, um, based later in life at IAS. He was the director, the, um, 
Institute of Advanced Studies, which is, I think, a part of Princeton, but its own situation. But um, so, man, Princeton's beautiful. Really beautiful. That's great. The town, it's very just quaint and the school is gorgeous. But yes, we that was us. You, we were there. The kids came out in the masses when we were shooting on the grounds. It was pretty wild. <laughs> it, when you're shooting in public places, is that often a problem? Or is do you just like try to keep as discreet as possible, but teenagers are still taking pictures and you just have to move forward? It depends. I think it depends. Oftentimes you can own... It, it all depends on what, like, if you're shooting in New York City and L.A. and certain places, certain things are just public property that you can't close down entirely or own outright. If you're shooting on private property, you can own it outright and kick everybody out. It just all depends. So um, we were shoot, we shot a scene in Nope that got, it ended up being edited out, but we were on Hollywood Boulevard in front of the Chinese Man Theater and we, we shot a huge scene. And yeah, you get crowds because people like catch on. Oh, it's Damien, it's Jordan, it's whatever. And obviously Chris, I feel like we were scouting all over the U.S. and everywhere I went with Chris. And we were on a lot of college campuses just because of Oppenheimer's, you know, he was a professor and different various things. But it was wild. Like even at Berkeley, I remember students were clocking him right and left. Mr. Nolan, Mr. Nolan, can I get your I was like, this is crazy. I mean, he was, it was they were like, Matt Damon, whatever, Mr. Nolan. Um, so it was very sweet. And, you know, you it's it's fine. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes it's fine. It's whatever. It, it's part of it, right? Um, so, yes, when we were filming at Berkeley, we had a lot of kids, like, hanging out buildings. And, like, you know, you just um, ask them kindly if they're in your frame to close their window. But, you know, <laughs> it's not like their dorm. <laughs> It was, it's, it, it wasn't, it was never an issue per se, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's a spectacle. <laughs> um, so another film that you worked on that I actually only just recently saw and really loved was Manchester by the Sea. And uh, you, you kind of just spoke about it, but um, uh, can you talk just a little bit about that? Just cause I, my girlfriend showed me that movie and it was like really yeah. really good that was a really special film um i loved kenneth lonergan i think he is an insanely talented writer director um i thought casey knocked it out of the park i mean he was awesome that whole experience was wonderful it was a very small film it was maybe five or seven million i can't even remember exactly it was all location based so for me i like to approach those as you know, you don't have these large budgets, which is fine. So you want to, to be able to give the world its, I, I, obviously we were lucky enough to go to the place, film in the place and then capitalize on in, and for me, it was all about finding the best locations um, that were either partially dressed, mostly anything you could do to, just to get more bang for your buck on screen as well as, you know, knowing the size crew and the resources you have. So I try, I just approach that um, by scouting the heck out of Manchester, Gloucester, all around and really wanting that region to be a, char a heavy character because it, it was to that 
to that place that they lived. Um, and I think it came across, I think it did. I mean, you know, just that the, the lives those guys live there and, and being fishermen and boaters and it's hard and, and you wanted that to be, I just, you know, you want, I wanted it to be purely authentic and natural and honest and real in their homes and their spaces to just, you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this is Cape Ann, which is where all those little, um, whatever you call them, parishes or whatever are. Um, Cause it's like Manchester, Gloucester, Rockport, you know, all those. But I think, um, yeah, I, that was, and, and it was a very intimate crew and, and um, Jody Lee Lipes was the cinematographer. Um, I thought he did a beautiful job and it was, it was a really sweet group of folks. And we just, um, yeah. And Kenny's, I mean, whew. I think he won an Oscar for best screenplay, actually. Um, it was, I know we were nominated for several categories, but I think obviously he and then Casey won for best acting, but they, it, it was so pure and honest and, and just executed so brilliantly. And, um, and it was, it's so fascinating working with different directors because they're each one is so unique to themselves. And I, I to be honest, I primarily only work with writer directors, I realize. And I think there's a reason I love that the story is birthed within that director. And so that when you're making a picture, it isn't, there's just a natural attachment and that director knows like what I love about each of these different directors is they'll pivot all day long because they can, because it's their story and their story can change and evolve through what the cinematographer, the designer is bringing to the table. And it can, it's this malleable thing and you're able to just be right there and work it out right there. And I, I, it's so funny. I, I guess, yeah. And I, I, I'm trying to think what I've done that was written by somebody else, directed by somebody else, produced by somebody else, because those things, well, not to discredit them on, by any means, but you, I think I think about, and when I get those scripts, it's like, well, who's, who's motivating the shoot? Is it really the studio and their interest? Is it really this director? Is this director just for hire? Is it, is, what is his, his or her's attachment to the story? And, and then the writer, is the writer even involved? And it is, I, oh, I know Water for Elephants was written by somebody and then Francis Lawrence directed it. And I remember the writer and then Fox was producing it. But then I just remember a lot of it, like the writer was on set. Oh, no, 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 that, you can't change that line. That's, he, he needs to, you know, and, and you're kind of like, well, uh, I don't know. It's, it's purely, I think. Personally, I really enjoy the process of working directly with the writer. Because when, when it's and, the writer-director, it's like that person has like thought about it like every day in like the shower for like years. And so like they have the entire yes. toolbox to adapt according to the problems. But when you're adapting someone else's work, I don't think you've thought about it as long and hard and like brought it through every stage yeah. of existing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it, exactly. And I think it's, it's this living thing inside of them. And 
And ultimately they have complete autonomy over the script. And so it's like perfect. I don't have to wait for six people to like give it an approval. <laughs> so I have one more small question before the final question. Sure. And that is my girlfriend grew up in LA County. And so when Fry's Electronics came on the screen, she freaked out. And she was like, that's not, Yay. she was like, that's not there anymore. Like, how'd they do that? And then, and then they cut to the inside and she was like, it kind of looks like that, but it's not exactly like that. And so she'd kill me if, uh, if I didn't mention it, but, uh, how, how did, how did that work? So great question. Obviously fries was, it was an iconic electronics beyond even electronic story. It, it was iconic to Southern California it was iconic to the 80s and 90s. And I think Jordan loved that idea of it's like, we're in Southern California. We want to do everything as real as possible instead of picking Best Buy or some, you know, dumb big box store that's just middle America vibes. We, we wanted something very specific and very, um, and I think we loved that, you know, the fries, it was family owned and, and Randy Fry had, you know, had gone to all these artists and created all these wacky. It couldn't have like, been more thematically consistent. Exactly. So, but, and, and we had scouted six or seven fries stores and we selected the Burbank store and it was November, 2020. And, you know, my Apple News pops up and it's fries closing, all stores closing, liquidation. And I immediately texted the VPM. I immediately texted Jordan. And I was like, shoot. I was like, what does this mean? So we immediately dug into what does this mean? And then Jordan was like, forget it. By the time the movie comes out, fries will be gone, to your girlfriend's point. People like, nope, I'm just going to, Ruth, let's. He immediately, I think, jerk reaction went to like, create a faux big box store and we'll just build it. And, and I was like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. When we, everything we painstakingly like Jupe, you know, Jupiter's claim is created because it doesn't exist. It's not like we're trying, but I was like, let's just shoot fries and let's call Randy, the owner who's based. And anyways, we just went down this rabbit hole and I just sort of kind of, let Jordan sit with it for a beat. And then he came back and was like, yeah, we're going to shoot fries. And so we did everything in our power. Basically they liquidated all the stores. Randy owned the building and the property of the Burbank store. He had to liquidate a lot of things inside of it, but was able to keep a lot. So we just worked with them. We did have to fill all the shelves. It was a massive dress for set deck, et cetera. But we ended up going for it and we we put our own spin on some of the graphics and some of the things and just like punched up the fries logo just for fun and but it but it, we had complete authority to use fries and Randy and his wife were actually um extras they were in the stadium and they loved it so they were around they gave us the fries van which we ended up re-wrapping with like creating the whole tech thing or the you know uh Brandon Fries character angel and so that was so fun and that was on it and, and i said you guys I, and we basically pitched it to randy like this will be an homage to fries this will be iconic this will be forever memorialized you know, on film yeah exactly so he was so down and a big fan of jordan's and um that is how we did that parth do you think it's time i think it's time we unleashed the big kahuna um oh, so no. our big kahuna final question 
um, is what's the last great movie you watched? And it can be a new release or a rewatch. I watched Out of Africa two weeks ago, and I loved that. I just thought that film was so beautiful. Maybe it was just, I don't know, uh, that 1985. Have you guys seen I'm it? I'm looking it up right now. I don't, I don't. I haven't even heard of it. I don't think it's. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's definitely starring. Uh, well, it's directed by Sidney Pollack, uh, and it was. Uh, uh, oh, you it can't was not go too bad. It's nominated for best picture, <laughs> and Meryl. You guys Meryl should Street, watch it. Robert Redford. Need I go on? It's really. Uh, it's so gorgeous, and I. They don't make films like that anymore, and it's. Wait, sell us. Give it. Uh, give us your it. elevator pitch on. Out of no, Africa. I just think. I mean, they just you. They hang on scenes. Obviously, it's it's the most epic, picturesque, beautiful. Uh you'd have to remind me who shot it. If you're yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it is shot by. Um, David Walken. Okay, um, it it just. It, it's gorgeous. It's stunning. And it, it, they hang on scenes and they're long and they just, it's Meryl Streep and Robert Redford um, end up, their relationship is just so beautiful and they just let it play out, but they don't make, you guys actually will be interesting. You two should watch it because I think your generation, I, I just, people don't, people can't hold on films like that anymore. It, it, like in the theater, I think people would be like, what is that? You know, it's, 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 um, but I watched, yeah, I just, damn, that's such a beautiful, great film. Um, it's about this Baroness who moved down to Kenya to start a coffee farm. And, um, wait, I have seen this movie, but I saw it like when I was very young because I think my mom likes this movie. (laughs) It's a, it's a, it's a tear. I mean, it's sad. (laughs) But it's good, and it's it's I I loved it so. Parth, should should I bring us out? Trent, I, yeah, I think I think we're good. Well, thanks again so much. Uh, this is production designer Ruth Young. She's worked on such cool projects as Manchester by the Sea, Us, Yellowstone, and our film for today, Jordan Peele's Note. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you guys. It was such a pleasure. So much fun. Trent, Parth, that was a fucking awesome interview. No, it it was an awesome interview, and it was so awesome that I was about to address you by your full first, middle, and last name, and then I thought, I don't know Parth's middle name. Trent, we have had this conversation a few times. Do you not have one? No, I have one. It's my father's name. Oh, uh, so it's Parth Sudanval Marate. So is that unique to your family, or is that like the expectation in, uh, in the Indian it, culture? I guess like uh, the Indian people I know generally take their dad's first name as their middle name. So Viraj Marate also has the middle name Sudanval. I see. Okay, so next time we finish an interview, I'll make sure to address you. And if I forget what your dad's name is, I can just log into any of the streaming services that you've given me access to through your family and go onto your dad's profile and and study the spelling.
That sounds about right. Or I can go into Virage's child-locked HBO Max profile. And I Isn't can, that crazy? I don't understand why he's child-locked And HBO I can, Max. I can, like, search up, like, boobs and boobies and touching boobies, and then your mom will see it, and she'll be like, Virage Marate! You know? She'll pro- yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Um, <laughs> but back on the topic at hand, um, good interview. Uh, Ruth the Young, Great. thank you so much Great for interview. coming on. And, uh, you know, talking with us. I think there's some really cool stories in there. Chatting, discussing, conversing. You name she it. She does it all. We we did it with her. But next week you can look forward to us discussing Nope. Um, yeah, Shoot, shooting the shit. Uh, just prior to recording, Trent informed me that there were rumblings of a guest. We'll have R- that discussion. Rumblings. We'll have that discussion when we uh, get closer to that discussion. Yes. Um, we we need to have a discussion before the discussion, about the discussion. You see, Trent Trent and I are very busy men uh, now. I'm a senior, he's a junior, and quite frankly... We have hair on our chests in places we never knew their hair could be. I, I, I wouldn't go that far. But um, quite frankly, this is the most amount of time we get to talk to each other. The podcast, on air. No, it's true, and seeing you out of context in real life feels supernatural at times. Sometimes when I when I pass when I'm like going to the bathroom or something, and I pass by you in the equipment room, I'm like, oh right, he's a he's a real person that I talk to. Uh, and I'm, you never know who you're gonna get when you pass the equipment room because it could be a friend, a foe, uh, you, but you never know who's on the other side of the door. But yeah. Parth, it's always a pleasure when I see you out in the wild, just existing, killing it, chilling it. Um, you're, yeah, I, I just see you from a distance. I'm like, who's that really attractive, medium-sized guy? And most of the time, it's you. That's, um, you know what? I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. That you're medium-sized? Okay, I mean, maybe not, maybe not glad, but... Um... All right, uh, next week, discussion. Will there be a guest? Will there not be a guest? Who knows these days? It's a crazy time we live in. Um, but uh, we definitely will have a discussion out for you next week. And then um, it's we're, we're coming up on the last movie for Halloween. Yeah, I mean, Spo- since For it's, 2022 Spooktacular. Since the Spooktacular, spooktacular slate is public knowledge, we can say that's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. We talked with the composer, Disaster Piece. It was fucking awesome. I'm excited to talk about the movie, general discussion. Maybe that'll just be the boys since there's no current rumblings. But you never know when the rumblings will start to rumble. Truly. Uh, uh, but with that being said, Parth, um, I'll see you next week for the discussion. And I'll see you before that to discuss the discussion. I'm glad to hear it. What percent is your laptop at? Fun fact, when we started this intro-outro recording, my laptop was at 11%. I'm now at 4 so I say we call it quits before any audio files uh, go crazy. And, All right. You know. Bye, guys. Goodbye. We love you. Goodbye, humble go listener. Go listen to us like, on any other... Like, like and subscribe. Uh, go give us a good review. Five-star listen review. to us Tell your friends. Any- yeah, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Tell your friends about the show. We really God, appreciate what a rush. it. Rush, rush to the end. Um, oh have no. a nice day or evening. Trent's or battery. Night. My battery. It's, it's dying. It's diminishing. The recording. It's ending. Okay, it's ending. Mm-hmm.